Hello and welcome to the Creator Club podcast. You're here with John Marsh. And if you're a coach or creative business owner, this is your show to learn the key skills you need to attract dream clients, grow your business and build confidence. So I've got a question for you. Have you ever wondered why people act the way that they do? You know, I go for a walk pretty much every day, usually in the evening, along some of the beaches here in Newcastle. And I park at the north end and I leave my phone. I just walk uh, without music along the beach. And one thing I love to do when I'm doing these walks is to watch people. You know, I watch people walking along, I watch people skateboarding, I watch people surfing, sitting there, looking at the ocean, whatever they're doing. And in particular, I love to watch people when they're in a group. Might be a couple of guys walking along, it might be, you know, a husband and a wife, it might be a group of friends. And notice how people are acting in a group setting. And this is really interesting because, of course, as a small business owner, for you, this is playing into the culture. It's playing into how we act as a culture. It's playing into things like status and affiliation and, of course, mirroring in a direct setting. And this changes your marketing. This changes how people behave in and around your business. So it can influence what's happening in your business. And so today in the episode, we're going to talk all about conformity and sounds a little bit dark. Conformity, of course, isn't always a bad thing, but we're going to look at two social experiments in particular that were run to show how deep this tendency to conform really is because it's pretty crazy. And as a business owner, you're going to get two takeaways from this episode. Firstly, I think you'll be able to reflect and see where in your life uh, you might be tending to conform because we all have areas, we all have things that we're involved in that we tend to conform to or groups that we're a part of. And that can be great. So you'll notice where this is playing out in your life. And then, of course, with that awareness, is there any way that you want to adjust in how you do things and how you're living? And then secondly, we're going to look at how it can play out in your business. So how you can potentially use this positively in some of your marketing and I guess use conformity in a sense for positive change. So let's jump into the episode. You're here with John Marsh and this is the Creator Club Podcast. something because other people are doing it so they're conforming to a status quo they're conforming to a, a movement or a group and we do this for a bunch of different reasons but one is that it allows us to go with the flow uh, and that saying when you when you, even when you hear it it kind of brings to mind this idea of you know fish swimming together or birds kind of going together or floating downstream and when we conform what we're actually doing is outsourcing our decision-making to the group. So if a bunch of people are doing one thing and we decide to just go along with the group, 
we don't have to think about what we're actually doing. We need to conform. So as you can already pick up kind of from the tone and this concept, uh, it's potentially a bit of a darker uh, side to human behavior, although it's there because it helps us to save energy. So while it sounds all a little bit gloomy, it's actually something that we use a lot of the time for positive uh, results as well or, or as a positive aspect of our lives. So firstly, we're going to look at a couple of conformity tests because when we talk about conformity or independent thinking or groupthink, everyone likes to say, well, I, you know, I think independently, I've got my own, uh, my own genius, my own thoughts. And of course, it's true. But I think what a lot of times people fail to realize is there's also a time for probably all of us at some point where we do succumb to conformity. We we conform. So we're going to talk about a couple of experiments that were pretty interesting. Uh, first, it's called the Ash Conformity Test. This was from the 1950s. And then there was a second one uh, that was called the Waiting Room Stand-Up Test or uh, Waiting Room Conformity Test that was a lot more recent. And then finally, uh, as we mentioned, we'll look at your marketing as well. Okay, so the Ash Conformity Test. This was super interesting. This was set up in the 1950s and what they did is uh, a guy named Solomon Ash first conducted it I think in 1951 and it was a laboratory experiment and basically he he brought in a group of eight students uh, at a college or a university um, I think they were all guys he brought in these groups of eight people and seven of them were part of the experiment and he brought the, this group of eight into a room. Seven of them were part of the experiment and only one of them was the test subject. Uh, and this happens quite a lot with these kinds of experiments. So this basically one guy is walking in and he's surrounded by seven other guys, all of whom are part of this social experiment. Uh, the All of the subjects, so everyone in the room was shown a control card, so a piece of paper or a card, and the control card had a line drawn on it that was a certain length, okay, a black line. And then they were shown a another card, and the other card had three lines on it, A, B, and C. And each person in the group was asked the question, okay, which line out of A, B, and C is the same length as the reference line on the on the control card or on the reference card and one of the lines on out of the three was shorter one of them was longer and then one of them was the same and they were significantly shorter and significantly longer like it was fairly clear and what would happen is the first two rounds or first couple of rounds all of the people in the group would say the correct answer so they would respond whatever was correct then they started to tweak their answers and what happened was the other seven guys in the group would basically choose the wrong answer. So if the reference line was a certain length, they might choose C when in reality the answer was B. C may have been significantly longer. And what happened was the one test subject changed their answers. So they would look around and they would go down the the row of guys and the answers would start coming out first guy would say you know c 
x1 would say c, third one would say c, and then we'd reach our test subject, and it obviously wasn't c, but he would look down the line and he would say the answer of c, and he would agree or conform with the group. Now they ran the study a bunch of times, and uh, the results were that 75% of participants across all of the studies, uh, in I think there were 12 critical trials, gave at least one incorrect answer. So basically what they're saying is that intelligent, well-meaning young people are willing uh, to, in front of others, call out the wrong answer. They're willing to do exactly what they see as incorrect because of the pressure in the group. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, now, the second experiment, which is the waiting room conformity test, they had a similar setup and it was a, uh, an, eye, uh, an eye doctor or an eye testing waiting room. They set up a bunch of hidden cameras. This was, you can look this one up. It was by a group called Brain Games. Uh, it's called Conformity Waiting Room. So they set up a bunch of hidden cameras in this waiting room and a bunch of people walked in maybe 10 to 12 people were sitting around like a doctor's uh, waiting room and one test subject came in and she sat down and after a, a, you know, a minute or two of sitting down, the, there's this beep noise came through the loudspeaker and everyone stood up and then they sat back down and our test subject looked at everyone, she didn't know what they were doing and then a minute later, beep, come through again. Everyone stands up. She didn't stand up. She just watched them. They all sat back down. Third time, beep, they stand up, sit back down. It took three times and then she stood up. So the test subject conformed to the status quo of the room. And of course, everyone else in the room uh, didn't acknowledge her. They, they acted as if this was normal and then she continued to stand up with the group on every cycle of the beep. Then what happened is they started to cycle out people from the waiting room. So they take them out the back uh, into an appointment, uh, which actually wasn't an appointment, it was just out the back door. And they slowly took all of the people out and each, each couple of minutes the beep went off, everyone would stand up, sit back down. But the group was getting smaller and smaller until finally there was just our test subject left. Nobody else in the room. The room was empty. Beep came through. She still stood up, sat back down. She followed the routine even though no one was in the room. Then the third stage, they start to bring in new participants in the room. And a guy walks in, sits down, and the beep goes. She stands up. The guy stares at her, doesn't know what she's doing. Sits back down. Beep goes again. It takes three times and then he's standing up with her. More and more people filter into the room. Eventually, the whole room is filled with all brand new people and these are all test subjects. None of them know about the experiment, uh, including our one woman who was uh, the first test subject originally. They're all standing up and sitting back down. And so this one is different. It's showing that uh, we conform over time and that this can be passed along, right? This culture uh, can, can, can spread and others can, can adopt these certain things for no real reason at all.
Now, is it scary? Absolutely. It's crazy. Does it make sense? Do we see this all the time? Yes, happening everywhere. The thing that we can take away from this as an individual is none of these people in the waiting room, uh, in that whole group, that second group of test subjects, would tell you that they would conform to a social experiment. However, they all did. Uh, same again in the ASH conformity test. No one would say that they would uh, give an incorrect answer, no, uh, knowingly incorrect answer in front of a group of people in order to fit in, and yet 75% did. So the question that we all have is in our lives and in the work that we do, where do we conform? Where are we doing things because it's, in inverted commas, how we do things around here? In small business, this is a super um, important and potentially dangerous situation or statement when we go, well, this is the way we do it because we've always done it, or this is the way that we do it because they do it this way. It could be your social media. It could be your, uh, you know, your way of delivering your service, the type of you know, the type of um, class that you run in a gym that you own, uh, how you show up. There's going to be times when we're doing things because we're fitting in like the others, just like everyone in these experiments, even though it may not be in the best interest of yourself or your colleagues or team or the people that you serve. So that's the first step. It's okay, where am I, where is this playing out in my life? How am I following the crowd, even though it potentially isn't correct? Now, just to reiterate, uh, conformity isn't going to necessarily be bad all the time. The concept of always ind independently thinking is great on paper, but sometimes there's going to be a need for speed. Uh, we're adopting the status quo or path dependence or you know the way things are done uh, is important because it's a fast, you know, moving environment and it's a complex technical place. So if you walk into a Formula One pit stop uh, place and they're changing the tires over in a couple of seconds, you're going to follow what's going on. The stakes are high. They figured this out over decades. They're a top tier team and you're probably not going to question it at the very beginning. Now, so those are the exceptions. Uh, conformity isn't necessarily evil, but there are going to be times for sure where it plays out when it's uh, not in your best interest and you might just be doing something for the sake of it. Now let's have a look at your marketing. We can look at this conformity stuff and see that it's kind of closely linked to status and affiliation. Uh, affiliation is other people who we like to affiliate with are doing something. So in the waiting room example, it could be uh, that was more of a general conformity. But what if your best friend or what if your mentor or what if somebody who, you know, is, a, is someone you look up to, a place of power or someone who you really respect, they start to do it. Then we can see, uh, you know, an affiliation with this person and a conformity or a pattern or a way of behavior, behaving that mimics this person. And we also see that it's linked to status. Status being our position, social standing or social status in the group. If I walk into the gym and everyone does certain things, things in one way and I want to uphold status in the gym, there's going to be more 
you know, more drive or more impetus for me to conform. If I don't care about my status in that group, then I'm not going to care so much. I'll probably more be more inclined to do things, you know, my way. Okay, now let's look at your marketing. You have a service, right? You've got something that you like. You've got, you know, maybe you, you're a designer or maybe you have, uh, you know, a, a physiotherapy practice or a yoga studio. You, you have some form of service that you love and you're working with people that you care about. And what you're really trying to do is to create conversations with these people that help them to you know feel invited into a story with you to help them feel part of your business and that it's really worthwhile for them to engage with your business so it makes sense then to ask the question well how can we use affiliation or status or potentially conformity to help to relay this story and in brackets here knowing that we're using this with a service for good so that goes without saying and you know if you're listening to this podcast you know that that's something that's important you know a positive value set how can we use social status affiliation and conformity well there are a couple of ways so one way you may have seen i was on a website not too long ago uh, someone launched a, a marketing uh, product and I was on the website and down the bottom every you know minute or two a little thing popped up and it said Alan has just bought this from you know South Africa Joe has just bought this from New Zealand or whatever and what that's doing is they're trying to send a signal to me as the buyer and the signal is saying hey John other people are buying this you should buy it as well look at all these other people uh, who are you know all across the world are buying it and that's the same thing. It's like the, the, the buzzer in the waiting room. It's showing me that people are engaging in this and people are buying this. The other thing that you can do, so that's like an automated version. The other one is you can elevate leaders. You can elevate good behavior or elevate people on your social platforms and your email and uh, your podcast and any content that you have. So... When you have a client come through, maybe they get a bit of a breakthrough, you can take a picture with them, you can share one of their wins, you can show what they're up to and present that out to the community. And what's going to happen is you're showing that, hey, if, if you're out there and you're kind of resonating with this type of person, look at what they're doing. They're coming into our yoga studio, or they're coming in and getting some brand design work done, or they're you know, coming in for an appointment uh, to fix up their pain at the physio. You're highlighting the win of your hero, the person that you work with on your social media or on a platform uh, in front of people, and that's helping them to celebrate their achievement or their win. It feels great for them, but also it's telling the story to the broader community that, hey, if you want to affiliate, if you want to be part of this, if you want to um, fit in, this is the kind of thing that we do here. And, you know, here's a great example of somebody doing it. So you're showing, you're showing the story, you're showing uh, the person in the, you know, kind of the metaphorical waiting room standing up. You're showing how someone is acting as an example for us to follow. So anytime we show the behavior or we show people 
partaking in the service or we celebrate them publicly or we celebrate them celebrate people's great work uh, that they do with you you and your service we're effectively uh, tapping into social status affiliation and conformity now of course is the mileage is going to vary if you you know have a service which is very bespoke and very unique and you celebrate a you know somebody one of your amazing clients and there's not that many people out there in the community that you know want your service or it's a very unique offering then you might you know you're not going to get as much out of it and you need to go and find people who are similar to your uh, you know the example that you have so it's going to be dependent on speaking to a group of people who already resonate with the type of work you do in the marketing or in the in the buying cycle for a customer we have um, three kind of stages interest desire and, and purchase showing um, examples of each person at each stage can be a great way to help others to see what's possible so you can show someone who's just bought, bought your service kind of like that website plugin or you can use social media we can showcase or do a case study about their results and other people will see that and you're effectively telling a story uh, of this person of what happens to them what the what they get from engaging in your service and, and purchasing so that's it for today we had you know it started off on a little bit of a darker angle uh, fear and conformity and, and your and marketing and how this can play out and what we're really doing we looked at two examples the ash conformity test if you want to look it up it's called uh, ash conformity test is actually spelled a s c h and the other one we looked at was the Brain Games Conformity Waiting Room. And what we really see when we look at these studies, and you know, there's lots of other ones. These aren't just two of them that have been done. They've been repeated a lot of times as well. Uh, what we're really seeing is that people conform. You know, people, people follow each other. And, you know, there's nothing really surprising about that. But the extent to which people will follow each other blindly is uh, quite amazing. We know that we we can see that as we know this, we can you know take stock of our own behavior and ask the question: Where are we falling into this if, as a bit of a trap? Can we innovate? Can we shake up our service a little bit? Are we staying true to our values? Are we using independent thinking uh, when we need to in places that serve us? And then finally how we can use that in our marketing as a service. We can take advantage of affiliation and status and conformity by showing the stories of other people, by presenting case studies, by showing what it looks like, uh, what life looks like after purchasing your service and engaging in your uh, yoga practice or whatever it is that you sell. Simply by you know using social media or email, uh, highlighting the wins of people, celebrating their successes, which also feels great typically for the people that you serve as well. That's it for today. Have a great day. And if you like this one, send it along to somebody else. Uh, and please subscribe to the podcast. That's always helpful for us. And we really look forward to seeing you on the next episode.